0: If your child is so scared that they cannot fall asleep easily at night, as parents, what can you do step by step? Today, Dr. Kushnir will bring us his new book, A Guidance for Parents to Help Their Children Cope with nighttime Fear. Welcome to Deep Into Sleep Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Yishan. Let's welcome Dr. Kushner. Share with us what are some tips, parents can use. Welcome, Dr. Kushner. Welcome back to Deep Into Sleep podcast. Good to be back. So I'm really excited about your new book. I know you uh, have a new book out talking about children's nighttime fare more to really help parents, uh, guide parents to coach their children to sleep better. So I actually got a lot of questions from parents. They often ask me if their children have some difficulties, sleep at night, and seems very afraid. Is that nightmare or is that the same as nighttime fear? Are they the same thing or what's the difference? It's actually a
1: different, first of all, it's, it's a very common and a good question. Uh, these are two different entities. And sometimes, they, of course, they, they go along. But nightmares is a phenomena that happens while we are asleep. Okay? Um, and, and it can be um, like a, many children suffer from that. Okay? But, but very few people suffer it um, uh, many times during a month or during a week also. Okay? And nighttime fears is a phenomena that can happen while going to sleep or while waking in the middle of the night from that, okay? But th- these, are, these are fears that happen while we are awake, okay, and we are aware, okay? But they can have a really significant negative impact on sleep. First of all, it can uh, th- there's a, um, something that's called sleep onset latency, okay? It can prolong the time that it takes us to fall asleep. Sometimes children, because they're afraid, can take up to two or even three hours to fall asleep instead of, let's say, 15 or 20 minutes. That's the regular time. And they can wake up multiple times during the night. And most of the time, they will have difficulty falling asleep during, during the bedtime and during wake-up time without their parents. And, and so we can see... That the the, the parent sleep is also very uh, negatively
0: impacted. Wow! Yeah, mm-hmm. sounds like quite a big problem. If that can keep the child, you know, lingering and cannot fall asleep for that long, Pe- children possibly going to lose a lot of sleep.
1: It is. It is quite a quite a big problem for many kids. Although there are. There are children that, you know, they suffer for a month, two months, and then it goes away, okay? But there are children who take it, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, right to the next level. And it's something that, that can happen for months or years, but it actually depends many times on the, the parent's response. Because if the parents find a solution where the child can sleep next to them or they can sleep next to the child, even if it helps on a nightly basis, it actually prolongs and perpetuates the problem because the child can't learn and he won't learn how to cope and that he can cope alone. And then uh, the fears, uh, they're quite consistent.
0: Oh, wow. So I think this is possibly important for parents to understand. A lot of parents won't help reduce the suffering of their children. So they offer to co-sleep with the child or help out a lot, But based on what you talk about, that may actually make it worse for the children to learn how to deal with it themselves.
1: Exactly. That's a good point. Yes. And we actually, not only in nighttime fears; we can see that in other phobias and anxieties in children where parents take a protective role from from a very good uh, reason from their side of view, but they don't understand that for the long run, it's a problem. Our basic instinct to protect our child, right? We don't want to see him suffering. Sometimes we have, as parents, our own fears, but we actually uh, we don't have a plan. Okay, and we don't have a plan, and and our behavior causes the problem to perpetuate.
0: Wow, I could imagine for parents what what they can do, right? They can only think about, "Well, I can help my child as much as I can." You know, if they need company, they need comfort. I'm there for them, so they possibly can feel more secure. But I guess it's not.
1: This is exactly the reason we wrote the book. The first book we, we wrote, and it was uh, designed and aimed to for specifically for the child, and actually for a communication way to for the, the parent to communicate with the child, how to how to uh, solve or, or cope with the problem. But then we thought that we want to make a, a comprehensive guide which will, which will be specific for the parents with many examples with, which, uh, which can, you know, show him or them the way on how to cope. And, and, and I hope we've done a good job. Okay, because what we want to do after of course the learning phase, we want to build exactly as other exposures uh, in CVT, we want to build a gradual plan where we actually take the parents out. <laughs> in a very gradual way and thus help the child to cope alone in small doses okay. and for the long run this is exactly what can bring confidence and, and enhance the self-esteem of the child and of course and under the understanding of the parent that his child can cope.
0: Wow so it's not just to educate the child we also have to coach and educate the parents what's a the- Best way to help their children.
1: Many times, and, and of course, this is a key point in CBT, we, the parents, behave in a way that manifests our thinking, right? So if we are very afraid, or if we think that we are going to cause damage to the child if we won't stay next to him or her, of course, all night long, then I will stay next to them. But I need to zoom out and understand that actually it's a problem. And I'm not talking okay. about a specific night. I'm talking about something that happens for many nights.
0: Oh. Right, right. So there's going to be dependence yeah, e- divided exactly. through that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to break down a little bit. I know sometimes for children, they are afraid of falling asleep because they worry about monsters. They are afraid of dark, a darkness. So um, I often hear parents will say, oh, monsters, let me help you check the room. See, there's no monsters. You're fine. But I'm wondering, is that helpful or actually it's more harmful?
1: <laughs> this is exactly the point. Again, this, this is called safety behavior, okay? Because I, the parent, I go and I check, I check, I explore the, the room, and I, and I show the child, listen, there was a, a, that's between the lines. There was a reason for me to check, right? There is a problem, but I, I checked it and everything is fine. But I do it every night, every night, over and over again. And usually it doesn't stop there because the fear gets larger and larger. Now you have to check again, okay? Now you have to check all the house. Now you have to check outside the window. And, and, and you know, I can go on and on. It never ends. And I want to put a stop as a parent for that, but in a way that will be... In the favor of the child, of course, very gradually, with understanding why we're doing that with specific tools that are that aim to do that.
0: Oh wow, great. So is there I know I'm sure you have a lot of detailed information to teach parents how to handle that. Is that possible for you to share like one small tip or direction parents can think about, like what they should do that is the right direction?
1: Actually, there are many things, okay? And, and usually when we look about, uh, when we talk about, sorry, a CBT program, first of all, th- there's a lot of information to understand. For me as a parent, to understand what's happening with me, the parent, what is happening to the child in the phenomena of nighttime fears and sleep problems, okay? And then we go specifically to the understanding why does it perpetuate? And we talk about things that are related to the child and things that are related related to the parent, okay? And the communication between them. And then we talk about understanding why anxiety in general perpetuates and the the mechanisms that are behind fears. And then we talk about the specific coping tools that we have in CBT. And we give examples on how to use that uh, with, with the child and how to delegate and how to talk to them about that. And we also have specific examples of, of uh, programs for, for you know, several families that, that we summarized. How does it look like? And actually, at the end, there's a flowchart and all kinds of uh, tools to help the process.
0: Oh, cool. So, sounds like there are step by step guidance. There are also case studies so people can really understand it even better from reading other families' experience.
1: Our goal is, is, you know, because many, many people, they do not have the means to go and get a treatment. Okay, even maybe it's from a financial reason, maybe because they live far, far away. And we try to build a tool that can help many parents in a very cost-effective way to solve this problem. <laughs> You're going to edit it later, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Great. The, the prevalence is very high. That's what I wanted to say.
0: I'm curious how high is the prevalence of nighttime it's
1: fears. It's actually very, very high. When we look when we talk about nighttime fears, actually, between the ages of four and twelve, we have something like 80% of children who suffer from nighttime fears. But most of them, most of them, it's it's like a regular developmental process. But some of them, I can't say a specific number, but but I think it's one of the highest rated regarding prevalence of childhood the problems, uh, they really, really, really suffer significantly. Okay? And the, parent also, the parents also suffer significantly.
0: Oh, definitely. When our child suffers, right, the parents won't be out of that for sure, especially for sleep related to the problem.
1: No, no, it's really serious because, you know, if we don't sleep well, and there's many studies about that, we're losing work, we're tired, we're less productive at work, it, it, it changes the communication with the child. We, we're getting angry at him or her. It can actually, I had parents coming to me that they were on the verge of divorcing because of this cute quote unquote quote, problem. Wow. Because they, they saw it differently and they were, you know, they fought all the time on how we should handle the problem.
0: Right. Wow. All these hidden, uh, like, consequences to our lives.
1: Yes. And the problem is it it comes every night. (laughs) You can't run away from it.
0: Right. Right. And how to handle it, right? Without the correct evidence-based professional guidance, people just do whatever self-help way, which sounds like could make things much worse.
1: And actually I have to tell you that I even see parents with their teens coming with this problem, and when I take the, the history, they tell me, yeah, it's, it's from the age of four or five. And we actually, we're doing the same. And I even have had the uh, clients that, you know, the child was around 20 years old, sleeping with his parents.
0: Wow. I'm wondering some of those things possibly naturally could children could grow out of that. But because parents trying to help them so much. And then sometimes this family dynamic and parents over protection may just make the problem stay consistent and longer.
1: Definitely, yes. You know, in, in, when we treat babies, there's a, something which is called trained criers.
0: Oh, this yeah.
1: To babies, you know, when they, they make a sound or something, we, when we, they wake up in a very natural way. And if the parent is very alerty, and he or she immediately runs to them and try to, you know, comfort them, then they learn, they learn that and then they cry if they don't get what they are used to get.
0: Wow, right. So we,
1: we the parents actually can create problems.
0: Yes, I know in parenting, in education, right? A lot of time we know parents' reaction can shape children's certain problematic behaviors i think for sleep we can look at this from the same angle sounds like so what we just talk about is when children have difficulties falling asleep which is part of the nighttime fear there's also two other things i think after children fall asleep some of them can start having night terrors i think so they sleep terrors they start screaming out of sleep and uh, uh sounds really horrible parents sometimes try to wake them up but when they wake up they may not remember anything and so i'm wondering whether your book covers anything about sleep terrors
1: no the, the book doesn't cover sleep terrors because again it's it's a very different uh, entity okay we, we can talk about it uh, of course gladly if you want okay sleep terrors is is something uh, that that it's very alarming for the parents, and it's, it's one of the group of parasomnias, okay? Uh, but is it, the child usually doesn't remember anything, okay? Usually children grow up out of it, but there are several factors that can, uh, that can make the problem worse. Okay? One of them is parental uh, um, behavior, again, and what the, the parents do. They think that the child is, good, is traumatized or something, you know, something is crazy happening. They, they feel the urge to wake him up or they do really, really <laughs> all kinds of things. And, and, and in a, they actually, they, they, they don't help it. Okay? They only perpetuate it. They, okay. Other related factors, one of them is, is the sleep disorder breathing that can make the problem worse something when we take medical history we need to relate to if the child sleeps in a, a different environment if he doesn't have a specific times when he goes to sleep and it's one time you know it's nine o'clock one time it's eight o'clock and it, it can also make the problem worse if the child is dependent on his parents it can also make the problem worse okay uh, if there is a, an anxiety disorder it can also make the problem worse so when we have an assessment, and you, by the way, we usually find a family history with some kind of parasomnia. So when we take medical history or we have a clinical intake, we need to address all of these issues because if we find several of them, we can actually help the child and the family uh, reduce significantly the, the problem. If the problem uh, persists and, it ha- and it's happening usually at the same time, and there is one or two research about that, uh, studies. Sorry, we we can go to the child like gently, very gently move them around something like fifteen minutes before the, the night terror, okay, or the or or something in the in the field, okay. Do it for about ten days or or two weeks, and then gradually reducing uh, this behavior. And sometimes it can really improve the the picture.
0: I see. Okay. I think this is very helpful for parents to understand. Sounds like your book can help parents a lot to help address children's fear at night when they are awake. So they possibly can soothe themselves, parents know how to deal with it. But once they fall asleep, if there's anything happens, that's possibly more kind of sleep disorder. And uh, uh, sounds like there's still some kind of different treatments. And parents, if concerned yes. about that, they can go to sleep doctors, sleep specialists to find more treatment for that.
1: Actually, actually, what's called the differential diagnosis is very important because many times we think that we see a manifestation of something which looks quite the same, but but it's actually a very different problem which requires a very different treatment or strategy. OK, so it's, it's very, very important. Another thing that I wanted to share about nighttime fears and, and, and in general for sleep problems is many times when we solve the going to bed problems. OK, for example, if the child is dependent on his parent and we resolve that, it can really or significantly reduce nighttime wakings. OK, because we see that statistically children that are dependent on their parents going to sleep, they will wake up more times during the night and they will need the same <laughs> strategy or the same objects quote-unquote that they needed in order to fall asleep when they went to bed.
0: Wow, that's so important to know. <laughs> Parents think they are helping, but uh, they may become the object uh, for, to, to help soothe children into sleep and then the problem can actually increase, the frequency can increase. I remember when we treat children's sleep problems, a lot of time we have to educate parents. We want to teach children how to get to sleep on their own. Right. And then that's definitely requires some effort from the parents part to put down their, their safety behaviors, their urge to help all the time. But then that the question a lot of parents always ask is, well, if I, I'm not there to help my child every time they need me at night, then will that cause some trauma to their psychological (laughs) well-being? Parents feel like if I'm not there when they are crying or when they are afraid, then I'm not doing a good job and that's going to hurt them mentally.
1: Yes, it's a very common question. And and again, I want to differentiate between something that, that happens once in a while. Okay. And then, there's, there's nothing special that we need to do, but but I'm dealing with a situation where the child and his parents, and actually most of the family really suffer on a daily basis. This is itself can be some kind of a trauma. I'm not talking about the trauma, trauma, yes, but but it's very, very difficult, okay? But, but again, this line of thought is what keeps parents doing the same behavior that does not help them. And actually we need to ask ourselves a very brave question Did what we do till now, what we're doing till now helped us, or you know what Einstein said, right? That insanity, quote unquote, is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result, right? (laughs) That's (laughs) not mine, that's Einstein's. Okay, And, and it's exactly what's happening here because we behave again and again and again in the same way, and we expect you know, in some miraculous way that it will resolve. And, and and what's sometimes absurd that we think that if we just, if we even try to do something else, then we're going to cause harm. But actually we have to do something else. Otherwise we're in a big, really big problem.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I like that. Hopefully, as sense this quote can really ring a bell to a lot of parents. So, if parents are interested in your book, want to learn more how they can help their children, where can they find your book?
1: They just go online to Amazon, okay, and they can find the original book, When He Goes to Bed by Himself, and our new book, The Parental Guidance Parents and Children Beating Nighttime Fears, which I wrote with my twin brother.
0: Great. I will put the link of the book to our show notes. Yeah. So, is this book designed for parents of children at a certain age group?
1: Uh, I think we can talk about let's say between the age of four and eight or even nine. Okay. I'm talking about the children's book. Okay. But actually, the parents' book, I think it's for a, even a larger age range. Even for older children, because we have many techniques there that not all of them are suitable for very young children, but many of them are going to be suitable for even much older children at 8, 9, 10, and 11, and even 12. Because, because most of the time when we see sleep issues with fears, most of the time parents will be involved, okay? And we have to work with the parents or so we have to guide them in order to solve the problem.
0: Great, good to know. Yeah, sounds like if any of our audience, our parents who have this kind of challenges, no matter how young or how old the child is, they possibly can benefit from some of the strategies in the book.
1: That's correct.
0: Right, yeah, so at the end of the show, is there any final wisdom you want to share with our audience if they are facing these kind of challenges?
1: I want to say that sometimes, you know, we really have to ask ourselves again what I said before, that that really brave and put, put things on the table and, and ask ourselves as parents: am, am I giving my child the, the best service in doing that? Okay, although I, you know, he sleeps every night, and although we have some peace and quiet for several hours, is is it the right direction for him? As I, as a parent, need to sometimes direct my child to a situation when he has some difficulties, some fears, but actually from this place, he will grow, learn, and and will learn about his abilities to cope with with various difficulties, not not only this one. And actually, all parental guidance in, in this field, this is like the key point. Sometimes it's much easier than we thought it would be.
0: Great, great. Yeah, this is wonderful information for parents to know. And especially good intention does not always lead to helpful behaviors. And with some professional like guidance, guidance, right? Yeah, with some professional guidance like what the parents can get from your book, possibly more effective and really connects a good intention with the uh, effective behaviors. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Kushner, for sharing with us about your new book and uh, your previous book. I also read that uh, it's uh, very fun. I'm, I can imagine children would love that too.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to, to participate in a wonderful show.
0: If you learned something new and helpful to you, leave a message, let me know. You can check out more information about Dr. Kushner, his book, our podcast, and my online courses on our website at deepintosleep.co. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ishan. I will see you next time. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently. And there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on.